continue our, continue our study in the book of Genesis. And today we're going to be dealing with uh, a text that a lot of people have found interest in learning about. It's actually Jacob's Ladder. So Genesis chapter 28, starting at verse 1. Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and directed him. You must not take a wife from the Canaanite women. Arise, go to Padamaran, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take as your wife from there one of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you that you may become a company of people. May he give the blessings of Abraham to you, to your offspring with you, that you may be may take the possession of the land of your sojourning that God gave to Abraham. Thus Isaac sent Jacob away, and when he went to Hodamaram, to Laban, the son of Bethuel, the Armenian, the brother of Rebekah, Jacob's and, his, and Esau's mother. Verse 6. Now Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Padamaram to take a wife from there and thus and that as he blessed him he directed him you must not take a wife from the Canaanite women and that Jacob had obeyed his father and his mother and gone to Padamaram so when Esau saw that Canaanite women did not please Isaac his father ain't that something about a child? Look at verse 9 Esau went to Ishmael and took at his wife besides the wives that he had Mahalah the daughter of Ishmael Abraham's son the sister Nebaioth verse 10 Jacob left Beersheba and went towards Haran and came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set taking one of the stones of the place he put it under his head and laid down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set on earth, and the top of it reached the heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, and to the north and to the south. And you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you, and will keep you wherever you go, and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. And Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Verse 18. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. He called the name of this place Bethel. But the name of the city was Luz at the first. Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me 
and will keep me in this in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, so that I come again to my father's house in peace. Then the Lord shall be my God, and this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house, and of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. Let us pray and ask the Lord to help us with these verses here today. What's all this saying today? Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your grace, again, and your mercy to bring us back to your word. Lord, let your word minister to us richly at this moment. Let your word dwell in us at this moment. Let your word, Lord, help us during this time. So, Lord, we ask you, Lord, to bless us with these truths. Let these truths just not be head knowledge, Lord, but let these truths, Lord, be restored to grace. Be for the building up in our faith, for us to see your glory and see your majesty. So, Lord, we ask you, Lord, to help us at this time with your word. So, Lord, we ask you to bless us and keep us. And God, help me, Lord, in areas that I'm weak in. So give me the strength, Lord, that's needed, Lord, to minister your word faithfully. So Lord, we ask you, Lord, to bless us. And keep us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Not too long ago, I um, was approached by an individual uh, with help with a child. Um, the child had done some things, and uh, the parent was seeking for help. And um, as the parent was seeking for help, uh, she needed a, a lawyer. Um, and the reason why she needed a lawyer is the lawyer to, to be the one to advocate or to intercede before her child, before the judge. She needed a lawyer to try to work a deal out under the table for the child to be able to be, get the less sentence or the child to be able to be less punished for the child actions. So the parent went around and petitioned and met this particular lawyer and got introduced to a public defender and got introduced to all these different ways. Who could be best to be able to advocate for my child? And think about a mother is a mother knowing that a child can be taken away from her for years in prison. So a mother's going to want the best person to advocate for her child. And she's going to be able to think through who can bestly represent my child at this moment. So she's going to go through the interview process. She's going to talk around and call around. How many cases have this person done? Does this person have my child's interest at heart? What I was thinking about as I was preparing for this message, in a very greater way, Christ in heaven, he is working in a special way to advocate for us. Is that we don't have to go look for a lawyer to someone to represent us. He is the one that no lawyer in this world can actually compare to. He's advocating for us before the Father at this particular moment. At this particular second, he's advocating. He's the best one to represent us. Amen. And guess what I said earlier? 
as you say, a mother wants her child to have the best person to represent us, the father sends the best one to represent us. Mm. He's the greater parent. I mean, he's that great parent as our father. And the father is not going to give us anybody to represent us. The father has sent his son to save those who the son or who the father has set aside before the foundation of the world. So the father in heaven, Greg, the father in heaven, he sent the best one to advocate for us. So as we talked about the Jacob Ladder. It's many fraternal organizations like Freemasonry that takes Jacob Ladder and makes it mean something else. They, they have butchered Jacob Ladder. They have butchered this story, have made it something about more principles. Family, this story in Genesis 28, it's a glorious story of our God supplying the needs for his people. It's a story that we embrace when times are difficult. We know what God is doing behind the scenes. Right now, look around the room. I know all of us got stuff going on in our life. Look around the room. Do you see angels around the room? Do you see angels flying in the room right now? No, we don't see angels in this room right now. Just flying. Vari, do you see an angel flying behind us? We don't see angels right now flying, do we? No. But that doesn't mean angels is not here ministering to us right now. In a special way, God is ministering to us, even at times when we don't see him. So Jacob Ladder today is going to be encouraging for the believer. No matter what we're going through, God is interceding. He's advocating with us, and he's caring for us in the midst of troubled time. And how does he do it? He do it in the best way that we need, which is for his glory. So before we just jump right into Jacob Ladder, Jacob Dream, we're going to deal with the first two points, kind of what's leading up to this. What leading up to, to, for God to be able to present himself advocating for his people or present himself as sending uh, angels as ministering to us? What led up to that for God to give them in this particular text? So we're going to do it in three points. Isaac sent Jacob to Laban, one through five. Point number two, Esau rebelled against his, Isaac, against his father, Isaac. I left him. I left father out there. Um, then there's going to be 6 through 9. We're going to finish off with verses 10 through 22. So jump point number one. Isaac sent to Jacob. Isaac sent Jacob to Laban. Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and directed him, You must not take a wife from the Canaanite. Arise, go to Padamaran, to the house of Bethel, your mother's father, and take Aes, your wife, from there, one of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. After Jacob now has deceived Esau, and out of this blessing, and also out of the, the, uh, the, 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 the birthright, now Esau is ready to kill his brother. Some of you kids in this room, do you guys get upset when your sister or brother takes something that belonged to you? Or your sister or brother takes something out of your room that belongs to you? Do you guys get upset sometimes? For us as adults, right? Something that belongs to you, you might get upset that somebody takes it from you. And sometimes you want to fight for what belongs to you, don't you? 
That belonged to me. I bought that with my money. Or mommy or daddy gave it to me. That belonged to me. And you want to do whatever it takes to take it back. Have you ever done that before? I have. Well, think about it. Esau said his birthright and his blessing belonged to him. And he said that uh, Isaac, I mean, uh, uh, Jacob took it away from him. So he's mad at his brother just like we've been mad at our sisters and our brothers. But he's so mad right here, y'all. Esau is so mad that his brother took his birthright that now he's ready to kill his own brother. So what does Rebecca do? The son, I mean the mother of her, of her favorite son, Jacob, she want to get her son out of there. She don't want her other son, Esau, to kill Jacob. She's ready to send him away. But before she sent him away, they want to make sure that Isaac, I mean, that Jacob doesn't marry a woman from the Hittite women. And some of you guys might be asking, why not marry anybody? Why can't they marry a woman from the Hittites or the Canaanites? And the reason for that is that God do not want them to be unequally yoked. The Hittite people have their own gods. The Canaanites have their own gods. Some of them worship trees. Some of them worship the sun outside. Some of them worship the, the ground. They worship different things. They have made different thing gods. And so God has wanted them to work up the, worship the true God in heaven. And so Laban, which is related to Abraham family, they have been introduced to the God of heaven. So stick within the family to honor the Lord. But Rebecca was so deceitful in this. The reason, again, wasn't for Jacob to leave there so he can go marry someone. The whole purpose of Rebecca trying to get Jacob out so Esau would not kill him. But you guys remember the words last week. Let me read a couple words from last 27, starting in verse 42. Now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are approaching. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. But the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob her younger son and said to him, Behold, your brother Esau comforts himself about you by planning to kill you. Now, where therefore, my son, obey my voice, arise and flee to Laban, my brother in Haran, and stay with him a while until your brother fury turns away, until your brother anger turns away from you, and he forgets what you have done to him. Then I will send and bring you from there. Why Why should I be bereft of you both in one day? Bereft in one day. So Rebecca is afraid that Esau is going to kill her favorite son. So that's not the whole picture, not the purpose or the main picture is, is doing it for her, for him to find a wife. The whole reason Rebecca is sending him away is because she's afraid. So Rebecca's afraid Esau will kill her favorite son and want Isaac's blessing to send away Jacob. Normally Isaac would do like his father did, but he would send, 
send his servant, normally to go find a wife, normally in the past, Abraham, he would send a servant to go find a wife. So when they jump the gun now, now Isaac is, I mean, actually, uh, Jacob is going to go out and find a wife without any assistance from the servant. Finding Jacob a wife is important, but the main thing is to get away from Esau. And now Isaac even support his son to leave to find a wife. Isaac doesn't, Isaac doesn't say anything about leaving because of Esau is coming after Jacob. But Isaac is an old man and taking advice from his wife. And Rebecca takes advantage of her old husband. And Isaac says this in verse 3. God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you that you may become a company of people. May he give the blessings of Abraham to you, to your offspring with you, that you may take possessions of the land of the sojourn that God gave to Abraham. So Isaac blesses his son to go ahead and leave. Go ahead and leave and find a wife here. Isaac again. Isaac is not a part of this plan of sending him away because his son is going to kill him. Isaac wants to say, okay, go find a wife. So Rebecca is still deceitful here again. Verse 5, you see, Isaac blessed his son. Because Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Padamaran, to Laban, the son of Bethuel, the Armenian, the brother of Rebekah, Jacob's Esau's mother. So Isaac is looking forward to the promise to his son. And he wants to support his son being a part of the promise. Rebekah wants the promise as well. But she is careless on coming the coming of the promise. She put things in her own hand. And she misused her son and her husband for her selfish gain. Again, we talked about on Bible study about securing the bag. Rebecca wanted to secure this bag, but her husband again, oh, so for her, she put it in her own hand so that Jacob may get this blessing. She made it about herself. She's thinking about herself. And family, we must be careful that we don't do the same. If we are motivated by selfish and self-glory, family, it would not be for God's glory. Trillion Newbill says this. The book of James is referring to. James addresses the problem of self-righteousness. She goes on to quote scriptures here. With the tongue, she talks about, will bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing, my brothers, these things ought not be so. With my tongue, I will bless the Lord and curse my husband. That's what Trey says here. With my tongue, I will bless the Lord and curse my husband, made in the image of God. Though God views my husband as told with Christ's righteousness, there were times when I saw where filthy, saw we were filthy rags. Filthy rags. I saw we were filthy rags. Most of my corrections stem from a desire to feel some perceived need of mine and had little to do with his sanctification. My desire was that he would change for me, not to please and glorify God. My observations were generally not always selfish. And she goes on to say this. Again, James helps us to see why we might call for flat for selfish gain, he writes, what causes core and what causes fight among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. 
So family, we all can relate to Trillia Nuba here. A lot of correction that she does for her husband is for her own pride. She admits here is that it's all for, said, a lot of it comes for her own pride here. And not for his sanctification. So I asked us this question here this morning. How are we led this morning? Are we led to do everything for God's glory? Or are we led in the sense of what can I get out of this? How can I preserve my image before everyone else? How, how can I look better than my coworker? Or how can I be better than my coworker? How can I be seen in the light of higher than the next person beside me? So family, are you dealing with self-righteousness? Are you dealing with egos? Are you dealing with pride? Family, that's what we see we're doing with Rebecca here. She's afraid that, that if she doesn't take things and matters in her own hand, she's not going to be able to get and she's not going to be able to be seen a certain way. Family, self-righteousness will continue to try to rise its head up. But we must always see that our self-righteousness will always cater to our own flesh. Our pride will always cater to our flesh. It will make a name for us. It's all about the glory of God. So the sin of Rebecca and Jacob affects others. It affects others around. How do we know this is the point number two? Esau rebels against Isaac. The sin of the deceitfulness, the self-pride, the self-righteousness, it affects others. Our selfishness affects others. Look at verse 6. Now Esau said that I, I saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Padamaran to take a wife from there. And that as he blessed him, he directed him, you must not take a wife from the Canaanite women. And that Jacob obeyed his father and his mother and, get, uh, and gone to Padamaran. Look at verse 8. So when Esau saw that the Canaanite women did not please Isaac's father, Esau went to Ishmael and took a wife from there. Now we learn that Esau rebelled against his father. Esau was responsible for his own sin. He the one took a wife from a place that his father told him not to take a wife from. But all that fury and that anger in him who has enticed him, encouraged him in his anger? Now Esau is upset that Isaac for supporting Jacob to lead to Laban. Now it's like Esau is against the world. My, my mom went against me. My brother went against me. My father now goes against me. It's me against the world. I'm going to do whatever it takes now to push all of them back. I'm going to kill East. I'm going to kill Jacob. I don't like my mom now. And my father, I'm not going to listen to him. Esau said, now, what y'all in words of shade, it's time to turn up. So Esau is ready to turn things up, right? He's fiery. He's hot right here. But let's go back to this. 
Esau was still responsible for his own disobedience. He was responsible for his own decisions. But family, Rebecca and Jacob still don't get a pass. They still don't get a pass in this. This reminds me of the story of Joshua. How, how the sins of other uh, sins of when, when Joshua and the Israelites were conquering and the people of Israel went into the battle of Ai and the Lord told them not to take anything from Ai. But a guy named Achan, don't name your child Achan, y'all. But a guy named Achan took something from Ai and the Lord punished all of Israel. He took some stuff and he hid it. And Israel started losing the battle. They lost a war. They lost a war to a small country. A small little country defeated Israel at the time. What had happened? That the sin of Achan affected others. Family, when we're prideful. Family, when we are not kind, we're not loving towards others. We can be help encouraging that person on the other side of you. To go farther and deep into anger. They already got anger in them. We all got anger in us, right? All those things are there. But family, are we encouraging them to go further with it? How are we doing our walk? How are we doing our walk with our brothers and sisters in this room? How are we encouraging one another? How are we doing with that? It was so bad that Esau goes so far to willing to marry an unbeliever to be amongst the unbelievers because of the anger that he has towards his father, his mother, and his brother. Family, are we pushing others away around us in our lives at work? Family and friends? Are we pushing people around, away from us? Because of us? Because of our posture, our character? Then we wonder why, well, this person right here, they don't want to listen to what I have to say. Or this person right here doesn't want to, because they don't want to, you know, uh, be encouraged by me, whatever the case may be. Then we are going to be held responsible if any time we call any of those little children to summer. Any of those little children. And these little children are not just these babies in the room. Any of the children that are made in God's image or any of those children that are set aside before the Father, if we cause anyone in this room to continue in their sin and their anger family, we would be held responsible for that. We will look back now. We talk about the drug epidemic in the communities. And it said laws were passed, I think, in the early 1990s. How certain illegal drugs and, um, were passed and certain sentences was given to some and some sentences given to others. Certain people were given, put in place in drugs in community. And now we look back into the impoverished community all around the world, blacks or white, we see now drugs are flourishing in certain communities. And now people are sentenced for a higher sentence, but there were some people that was involved with actually help putting drugs in certain communities. Yes, people are held responsible for smoking dope or for actually for doing bad things. But for those that entice them to do those bad things, that has on a confect on the community even in 2022, 
those people would still be held responsible. So we're responsible for our own actions, yes, but for all those that entice others are responsible as well. So Rebecca and Jacob doesn't get a pass here. They are wrong for what they did. But also Esau is wrong. So in the midst of all these failures, the midst of all what's happening, the Lord is still kind. And I think this brings us to Jacob Ladder now. This brings us to the dream now. But all this happening, Esau is bails against his father. Esau wanted to kill his brother. All the drama is happening. So much pride in this story. So how does God come in and give us a word to rescue his people and to encourage his people? Look at point number three. Verse 10. Jacob dreamed. Jacob left Bathsheba and went towards Haran. And he came to a certain place and stayed there at that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. So Jacob was on the way to Haran. The Lord appears to him. It seems Jacob is fearful and thinking about how to survive with being on the run from Esau now. The Lord is always kind to his fearful people. It was late. It was time to rest continue to travel tomorrow. Jacob laid down, he rested, and he started dreaming. The dream is in verse 12, and he dreamed. Behold, there was a ladder set up the earth, on the earth. On the top, it reached the heaven, and behold, the angel of God were ascending, descending on it. In this dream, God's angels were going up and they were coming down this ladder. Normally when someone goes up and down a ladder, they always, they always normally take something up the ladder. Think about a construction worker. When we got some roof work done at the church, a guy went up the ladder, he took some stuff up the ladder, then he brought some stuff back down from the ladder, he took some stuff back up and went down, back and forth. I think that's how a ladder works. That's how a ladder works. You take something up the ladder, you bring something down the ladder. You go up the ladder, see what's going on, you come back down. Here we see something very similar here. But this time on this ladder, it's angels of God. It's angels going up and down this ladder as he was dreaming. And what do you think, you know, normally what angels are doing going up and down a ladder? Well, if a construction worker is going up a ladder, we normally would think he's doing something on the roof, working on shingles or working on something dealing with the roof. So what are angels doing going up and down? I don't think they're working on the roof, right? I think heaven is, is, is going to be, it's, it's perfect, right? It's no, you know, no work needs to be done on top of heaven. You know, them going up and down the left. So heaven is fine, right? So what are the angels actually doing in going up and down this ladder? Well, one way we can find this out is that what do the angels normally do throughout scriptures? So what do they do normally throughout scriptures? And so just a couple verses, I can go a lot of, a lot of places and talk about angels, but we find many angels of God in the Old and New Testament. The 
the first area we see uh, in the Old Testament, where we see angels in the Old Testament is, one of the places I would say first, but one of the places we see them in the Old Testament, when the angels came to Abraham, you guys remember that a few weeks ago, they came to Abraham to encourage him of the promise coming of his son. They were doubtful. This is, they made a mess. Abraham went to Hagar and had a child. He was ahead of a child with his wife. He didn't trust the Lord. The angels came at the right time and they ministered to him. The angel said, Abraham, I'm going to come back in a year and you will have a child. Angels come and give people comfort, don't they? They comfort them, remind them of the promises. Well, what about the New Testament? One of the occurrence of the angels in the New Testament was when Jesus was baptized and he went into the wilderness. Forty days in. 40 nights. He was there. And he was actually was hungry. He was at hungry there. And he, the devil said, turn the bread into stone, um, turn the stone into bread. And Jesus said, um, man cannot live by bread alone, but every word that proceeded out the mouth of God. And then after that, and Jesus prevailed in that 40 days. And what did the scripture tell us right after he prevailed? The angels came down and ministered to him and cared for him. Family, angels give us what we need in that moment. The angels care for us what we need in that moment. Angels are always giving God's people what they need during hard times. But we saw this verse very similar too. You guys remember John chapter 1. When John the Baptist is on the scene, John's out there baptizing. He said, one's going to come after me. It's going to be greater than him. And so John had several disciples following him. One name was John. One name was Andrew. One name was Philip. One name was Andrew. These guys were following after John the Baptist. Then all of a sudden Jesus came and John the Baptist said, like, like with a bright light, he said, behold, the lamb. That's the lamb, y'all. Disciples, y'all come here. All the time y'all been waiting, that's him. Behold the Lamb of God. That Jesus right there, you see, he's the true Lamb. He is the Lamb. And when Nathaniel them got introduced to Jesus being this Lamb, and the scripture goes down to John chapter 1, verse 49, another discussion started going on. Nathaniel asking him, Rabbi, are you the Son of God? You are the King of Israel? Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater than things than these. And he said to him, truly I say to you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God sending, descending on the Son of Man. Where is Jesus getting at? Jesus is quoting Genesis 28. He's quoting Genesis 28. How the angels minister to Asher Jacob, the son of the angels are going to minister to Jesus. You're going to see many great things. And so Jesus is going to show them that throughout his ministry, as he healed people, as the Father was giving him, the, the, the angels, the Father was giving him everything at this moment as him being at his incarnation. Jesus said the angels of God will be ascending, descending on the Son of Man. You're going to see it. How are you going to see it? Who can make the lame walk? How are you going to see the angels of ministry are coming down on the Son of Man? Let the Son of Man be raised from the grave. 
How are you going to see the, the, the angels come out on the Son of Man? Look at the woman with blood. Look at La uh, 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 Jairus' daughter. He called many stories. But the thing about a family, we don't see angels in all that, do we? We just say the Father blessed the Son. Jesus had many miracles. But family, we see in scriptures that as Jesus done every miracle, there was angels working right there with the Son, ministering, caring for him in the midst of it. One person says this. Dream of angels, the dream of angels on the stairway ascending to heaven. The point of this story is that God was present with Jacob wherever he went. This was symbolized by the ladder, explained by the words of God, by God. And recognized by the faith by Jacob in verse 20 and 22. God reiterated to Jacob the covenant made with Abraham and Isaac, promising him the land and descendants as numerous as the dust. And a universal blessing through him. God also promised to protect and be with Jacob while he was out of the land to see that he will return. So what is happening here? Why is angels right here? God let them know is that Jacob, you will return back to this place. I will care for you. That you will be the one I'm going to use to bring about the Messiah. That angels are descending every single moment is going to care for you through this. The angel is going to watch over you. The angel is going to give you everything you need. Family. The same angels that are ministering to Jacob is the same angel that's ministering to us. It's ministering to us. Family, we have angels and God is ministering to us every single moment. He's petitioning. Jesus petitioning to the Father. And the more angels are coming, and encourages every single day. So when you get that calm phone call from a brother or sister. When you get a, a encouraging message from a, a brother and sister. It wasn't a coincidence in that. It was God was using those certain moments to build you up in your faith. We're not left alone. The reason why we doesn't feel this or in a sense of encouraged by this. Because we are carnal minded. We're carnal minded. If God's going to be there and care for us, well, he's going to give me this, he's going to give me that, all these things that I want. Family, angels are ministering to you in ways that you don't understand. And God is caring for you in ways that, that's going to be best for you. So family, when you think like you're alone, we're dealing with loneliness. It's not a second that goes by that God is not going to minister to you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Amen. This is what the word says is that God is ministering to us. Just like the angel descend on Jacob, they send on Jesus' family, they are sending on us every single moment, ministering to his people. But ultimately, this angel that's descending ultimately is Jesus. Jesus is the true and a better angel. He's the true and better angel. So the angels are coming down back and forth are types, right? The ultimate one that comes down and ministers to the Father that intercedes for us is Jesus. So don't we have angels? Ultimately, we have Jesus. Jesus came from heaven. 
He took upon the flesh. And now he advocates to the Father every single moment for us. So who is the one that has descended and ascended? It was Jesus. So never forget this. That Jesus is the one that does it. And we can restore by his word that his word points us right back to him. But Jacob, I don't want you to forget this. So what did God do? Or what did Jacob do here? What happened here? Lastly, the Lord doesn't want Jacob to forget. The Lord will be with him. So listen to what happened now to make this place a landmarker. Look in verse 18. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head. He set up for a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. He called the name of the place Bethuel, but the name of the city was called Luz at first. And Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me, will keep me in this place way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, and the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I set up for a pillar shall be a God's house, and all that you give me I will give at full tenth to you. Jacob responds in this way. He responds to the Lord as you keep me on this way. The reason again why the angels would minister to him and Christ was ministered to him because Christ knew he was fearful. He knew he was afraid. And it does the same to us. So for those in this room that are afraid, kind of scared about tomorrow, kind of nervous about what's going on in life right now, there's never a second that goes by that God is not going to minister to you. So the question is, will we believe that? We will hold on to that. Let's end with some application here. The Lord doesn't just cast us out when we fail him. He lets us work through hard times. Then on his perfect timing, he rescues us every single time. Every time. Look back at your life about a year ago. Look how far you have came in your walk with Christ. The Lord has exposed more areas that was hid over this year. The, the Lord has shown you so many things that you have failed in over this year. Because he's growing you. He's growing you. Some of y'all might say, it looks like I'm growing. It, it seems like I'm seeing more how I feel than I am. That's part of the growth in Christ. The part of the growth in Christ. God sees more. He shows more and more of our failures. As you grow more in Christ, you're going to see more toxic things in your life. Things that you're still holding on that you don't see as toxic. So that don't mean you're not growing in Christ because God exposes more about your heart. For us in Christ, we are growing. He is steady making us more like him in a beautiful, profound way. Because it's not your standard, that's why you don't see it. You don't see your growth based upon how you think your growth should be. You're not God. He's God. But his promise is to conform us and sanctify and make us more like him. He's going to expose errors in our heart. Every single moment he's going to grow us, family. So don't get discouraged when times get hard for you. You feel like you're living this Christian life. You feel like you do one good thing and a bad thing happens. Family, 
What if God hid all those things in your heart for the rest of your life? What if he hid them? You have all these things you just cherish that are so ungodly for the rest of your life. What if he hid those things? All those moments you missed giving him the glory. So what do you do? He exposes those things. He exposes those things. So I say this right here. Spend more time cherishing and thanking God for exposing your heart. And rather spending more time asking God, or I'm going to say asking God, spending more time in a way of dishonoring the Lord, thinking that the Lord is not working in your life. A lot of times you spend so much time dishonoring the Lord, saying he's not working in your life, but he actually is working in your life. So look at God standing on how he does these things. Second thing, remember this, that the Lord is interceding for us at every moment. We talked about this in Sunday school. He gives us his angels for us daily to minister to us in our weakness. But also he gives us himself. We are presently cared for every single day. This is not like a you start a new job and you get trained for about a couple of days, you get trained for a week. Um, I don't know, Rod, how long was your training when you started your new job? Was it a couple of weeks? Yes. Well, God doesn't just train us for a couple of weeks and leaves us. It's every day. Our, our coming into Christ training is every single day for the rest of our lives. He is training and care for us at every single moment. So he's interceding for us at every single moment. It's never a time that he's not caring for us. Just like a new baby is born. No baby's born. Little, little Kendall. Did I miss the name of Kale? Kendall? Little Kendall. How she, how Kale graciously cares for little Kendall. Make sure Kendall doesn't eat the wrong thing. Make sure Kendall's not dropped. She, she want to make sure that it's very delicate with Kendall. She knows his limits. She knows how much he can, he, how much he can, how far he can go without eating. And, and for him to be able to have his milk. She knows these certain things. Family, God knows those things about us. He knows how to handle us. He knows how to be delicate with us. Some of y'all probably saying, that don't feel like delicacy, does it? It's delicacy. He doesn't give us everything now. If God gives us everything, family, we couldn't even be able to stand here in this moment. But he's delicate with us. He gives us so much good things. So family, open your eyes and see it. It's all around us. He gives us himself to minister us to us like, uh, like he gives us, he gives angels to Jacob. Number three, since we are forgetful, we forget what God is doing for us. We think that God is not doing something for us. So what does God give us for remembrance? Family, he gives us this Lord's Day. A Sunday. A Sunday. A Sunday is here. It's the Lord's day because we are forgetful. Family, we need this day. We need this day to be reminded of it. Family, there's nothing else special than this day. It's nothing else. No football, no sleep, no, no, no partying on a Saturday night. Nothing compared to what God gives us. He gives us this day because we need it. Family, if he, didn't, if he didn't give us this day, and he felt this day is not the Lord's day, that he don't want us to have this day, 
Get what he gave it to us. He gave us this day because we're forgetful. We need to hear the word preach. We need to be encouraged by one another. Nothing can compare to this Lord's day. It's like a family reunion. Every single Sunday, we come together. So family, I would encourage you, make this a priority to be with the saints. It's the reason why the Lord said, do not forsake the gathering. Because we are weak people. We are forgetful people. If you're struggling in life, be here on the Lord's day. If you need help in life, be here on the Lord's day. One thing a person can say, they're struggling in life, but they don't want the help. One minute to say is that I got a cut on my hand, but I don't want a nurse to assist me. What does that sound like? If you're hurt, you're going to get help. Family, become here, Lord, to be able to be helped by our God. But also, Lord, also we come here to praise our God. So not only just the Lord's Day family, we have also to have the Lord's Supper. What's two things we hear in that first Corinthian text? It said what? Do this in remembrance of me. He says it twice. Remember, remember, remember me. Baptism. Why are we to remember baptism? Where we have came from? Baptism, we can look back when we were dead in our sin. He brought it to life. He gives us those graces to remember, remember, remember. He gave Jacob the stone of Bethel. He gave him a stone to remember what God had done to him in Bethel. Family, God has given us the Lord's Day. He's given us the Lord's Supper. He has given us baptism to remember him. So if you're hurting, he gave us all these things for us to be reminded of what he's done for us. Will you cherish those things? Will you cherish those things? If you cherish those things, you'll be better by it. You'll be encouraged by it. You'll be cared for by it. So I would say cherish these days. Cherish the things that God has given us to remember it. And as you walk out this Christian life, as you walk this Christian life out, you see those beautiful instruments that God put in place are the same instruments that has kept you from day to day to day. Family, we need this. We need each other. With that being said, let us pray and ask the Lord to help us.